In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. It's, it's God first. If you have God first, everything else flows well, flows naturally. My priorities are God, my wife, my kids, my family, my community. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we, we salute, salute you. you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, and I am here with our producer, good friend, and co-host. Dale Culver. How you doing, man? I'm doing awesome. Hey, man, I'm really excited about today. we got a, a fr- new friend of mine on the show, and at 76 years old, I he's entered his sweet spot of ministry. It's so encouraging. We talk about guys finishing strong, and, and this guy is going to be a great addition to our podcast lineup. But before we get him on the show, I want to remind our, our guys, hey, man, head on over to our website and pick up a copy of our bathroom book for men. We want to help you guys become your best version of you. And this is a daily reminder to help you do so. We offer this book free. It's right on the homepage. You can get that free, a free download. Oh, Marsh is holding his copy up right now. That's too funny. Or, or you can go download, or you can go buy the actual copy from our store. I recommend buying a physical copy, putting it up on the back of your toilet seat. I want to warn you, if you run out of toilet paper, do not use this book. These pages will cut you. So this is not some gentle little charmin thing this stuff is little back up your toilet too bro It'll back up the toilet so Not hey dale good. so anyway do you have a man word for me today i do is the word group mm, no oh what is it uh man word so for all of you out there that are this i want you to know that you are a man the man word is it i it IT. No, oh. it is. I you're an IT guy. If you're a technical dude, that's your computer- man word. It's not yeah. even a word. No, because I want I want our guys to know that for some guys out there you think I have to be a fisherman, a hunter, or a survivalist. I have to drive an F three fifty like Dale or a high schooler's truck like Jim and the tundra. But hey, you can be a computer dude and you can still be a man because we believe that a man is as a man does. And I just want to remind our listeners that. That's funny. Well, we were looking for a subtitle for one of the, for our book series, and one of the guys who you know said, 60 Days Becoming Jim Ramos. And I'm yeah. like, <laughs> you know, the funny part is, you know, I'm a big guy who played football and loves the outdoors and loves to stick my hand in thousand pound animal 
chest cavities, you know, type of thing. But but a man is the man does. A yeah. man is not a man can drive a Prius or a big truck. He can be a cat lover, God help him, or a big dog lover. He can be a musician or a or a lumberjack. A man is the man does. And that's really, really important. There's there's this image or stereotype out there about what a man is, and it could be farther from the truth. And we're trying to reach and train and equip and inspire men to be men, not to be a lumberjack or to be a construction worker. We just don't care about that stuff at all. So, hey, so do you have a Wamji or a When a Man Gets It story for us today, man? Yeah, I do. I got this letter here. It says, hi, Mr. Jim Ramos. I'm Vic, married with my beautiful wife, Anita, 13 years of marriage. We are blessed with Carol. She is 11. Samuel, he is 7. And my wife is 7 months pregnant with our third baby boy. We live here in Saudi Arabia I am an architectural technician. IT. AT. That's AT. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For a contractor, that's what makes all of us here. But originally, I'm from Pakistan. I appreciate the work you and your ministry is doing. Your podcast is one of my favorite podcasts. 328, episode 328, Dare to Prepare. <laughs> I like the teaching. I like almost all of your podcasts. Almost all. Almost some of them. Some of them are lame. Some of them suck. <laughs> Mr. Robert Lewis is one of my most listened pastor, and I've been uh, that I've been through the man quest at my church men group. I appreciate you calling him on. Well, he spelled your name Dale. Yeah, D-A-I-L. I love you. Friend to Dale, too. So obviously, Dale's not illiterate. There is a little bit of a language barrier there, but how cool to get a story from a guy from uh, Saudi Arabia Arabia via Pakistan. Thank you, Vic. Hey, super excited. Hey, I'm excited today to bring on my new friend, Marsh Bull. And first of all, what an awesome name. Like, what an, I mean, Marsh Bull. I, I just picture this giant moose. Wanting to thrash somebody. I mean, you. I wonder when I first met him. I said, "Did you change your name? Is your name like Joe Smith or something?" And you change it like Marsh Bull. But Marsh Bull—that's his real name. Seventy-six years old. He has a uh, two homes, one in Durango, Colorado. Spends also a lot of time in Southern California with his beautiful wife. He's been married to Peggy for almost twenty years. They got married just after nine eleven, so that's how they keep track of their wedding anniversary. So Marsh is a technical type guy, as we learned early. Well, that's why Dale picked IT. Uh, he worked with computer for five decades. 2012, he founded mensgroup.org as an internet men's ministry, providing free Bible studies for small group discussion, small group tips, and topics. Since 2014, they've had over 320,000 visitors to their website, uh, 670,000 page views, and they've had people access 370,000 studies. So it's super excited to have my new friend on here today, Marsh Bull. How you doing, man? Jim, I'm doing great, but you have to be, uh, when you're talking with somebody a little older, you meant, when you mentioned something to location and stuff, I've been there. So I've lived in Riyadh. Oh, you've been in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, so you have to be careful. But most of the things you bring up here, I've done or I've seen or been involved with. No, I was in the, in the Army 1969. And so uh, you go where you're called. And so uh, I had picked, I'd been in college and went to ROTC and uh, picked a distinguished military graduate anyway. So they said you can go three places. One has to be Vietnam. So I picked middle, uh, Europe, Middle East. And so I ended up for a year in 1969 in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, and traveled around the whole country. 
it was quite a uh, learning experience back then. And then you were in Vietnam for how long? I was not. And so that was good news because you go where you're called in the Army. And so you had a year in the States. And then I was a, a supply officer, lieutenant. And then you go overseas one year. And so uh, you go where you're called. But it was little safer there. Well, I, I misunderstood. I thought you said one of them had to be Vietnam. So I misunderstood that. So I apologize. But you, you know, you're 76 years old and uh, you would never know it talking to you, but you've got one heck of a story. And it's really a story of, of, of drive and motivation, and ambition that led to uh, brokenness and, and, and ultimately salvation. And so I just want to give you a, a few minutes, Marsh, and share your story. You know, we get guys on you know, you've got an online ministry that's have has a huge impact in a very short amount of time, but but your your life there's a lot of wreckage in that life, and I I want you to walk us through how that happened and and what you've overcome and where you are now, and I think there's a very redemptive quality to your story that our guys would really benefit from. So will you uh, take some time and unpack that for us? I will, and I think there is redemptive because it's transformational and. I'll go through my story uh, as a man. It's never too late to repair uh, relationships with your son or your daughter or your family or friends. And so, no, I uh, graduated uh, from Nebraska in 67 and I was in business college. And at that time uh, you knew you were probably going to be in, you know, in the army. And so uh, first part of my life, uh, Actually, my 20s, 30s, and 40s was all about my career. I uh, worked for companies like uh, Honeywell, American Express, IBM, companies like that. And so I always thought uh, I was a good man, that I was taking care of my family. Uh, the reality was that uh, my priorities were my job, uh, then probably my fam- wife, family, and then God was down the uh, sequence quite a bit. And so compared to a lot of my friends now who have been Christian a lot longer in their life, there's a very definite difference between the first half of my life and the second. I came to the Lord uh, at 51. And so, uh, and I didn't know that the Lord had been, I was really tough. I could accomplish anything. I had a lot of stress. I lost the son I came back from Saudi Arabia earlier because my son, uh, Scott, had uh, liver cancer. Oh, wow. So in the time he was born and died was 16 months. And so back then, I don't know how we, without faith, I don't know how I survived. Wow. And, uh, my wife was Sandy, and so we uh, stayed married after that. But it's very painful. I think what happens when you lose a, a, a young son or daughter is... To get through it, you kind of go into yourself and you slide. And then when you come up for air a few years later, you've changed a lot. And so, uh, and through other times, uh, yeah, this is bringing back a lot of memories of yeah. how I survived. My my brother, only brother, died of a heart attack at 43. Oh, wow. Uh, I had my first wife, Sandy, after uh, we had been divorced about year and a half uh, died of a brain aneurysm. And so I raised the kids from my son and daughter from seven and a half and 12. And so that was the kind of environment that I'd gone through. And so 
what that all changed uh, when I was 51 is actually September, it's October 21st this year, 25 years ago that I came to the Lord. And uh, it, it's, and it's still, it's, and what happened was I had been in Chicago, I was working for IBM and a sales company at the time. Uh, I was working 12 to 14 hours a day. I was going through a divorce and I finally, uh, finally broke. And so uh, I pulled over to the side of the road and, and my prayer was help. Mm, mm. I wasn't used to praying and uh, still 25 years later, I still am emotional about it because instantly this blanket of love covered my body. Wow. And I, I describe it as a molasses of love permeating my, my soul, my physical body. And uh, it was so powerful. It was like, uh, you have to remember, I'd, I'd gone to probably church, you know, Easter and Christmas kind of church. And so I'd start going to a large church in Chicago and joined a small group. And, uh, and it was good. Anyway, so I was happy to start going to church. And I thought in church, everybody would be happy and loving and supportive. I mean, that was the vision as I got involved in a church. And then, then I really realized uh, we aren't because we're sinners. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, and, and so, and so I had a, a good journey to, I uh, stayed in the corporate world, but since then I've traveled the, the path each day. What amazes me is it's an infinite try following a Jesus path that he has for us. And so uh, it's amazing how much I, every day I just pray that I'll follow his path. So I'm going to backtrack here and follow the story. So how old was, how many children did, do you have? I have, I have, two, I had three, I have two now. And then how old was Scott, by the way, we're so sorry about that liver cancer. That's brutal. How, how, how old was he when he died? 16 months. Oh, he was, he had liver cancer and oh, I thought you I thought he had, I thought he had the cancer for 16 months. So he was a baby when he died. Oh. No, I went overseas in the fall. He was, he was born in the fall. Uh, that would have been 68. So, yeah, and I went overseas. And so I came back from the assignment, Saudi Arabia, a couple months early because uh, he had, he had, they discovered cancer. It was about the size of a softball in this little guy. So I came back. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. And then your ex-wife. So you've been married. You're married now. And this is your fourth wife. You've been married four times. Your first wife, who you divorced or divorced you or whatever, died. Yeah, she. We we. Uh, yeah, we married twelve and a half years. She, thirty five. We'd gotten divorced at thirty four, and then about a year and a half later, she. Back then, we we shared the kids, which was unusual because yeah, because I can go other ways. Most of the time, when you got divorced the mother always had the kids, Yeah, the guys. Didn't. And so we were kind of the beginning of that age where we had joint custody. That was a typical Wednesdays and every other weekend. And so I stayed in contact with the kids and stuff. And so on a Friday night, a uh, year and a half later, I'd gotten a call from the family and that she had been in up north of Omaha and uh, they had her on life support for a brain aneurysm and that, that oh. was really nice because we've been to us but i called and i went up there 
and said, if I, you know, I went up and saw her and paid my respects and love. And then the next morning I had my two kids, which I saw them, but it's different. Yeah. Having them all the time. Now, a single guy. So now your second wife, or was it your second or third wife who also died? Which one was that? Huh. Uh, that was Arlene. I had, then I had a second, second wife. Uh-huh. And, uh, she was kind of like my beautiful pit bull wife. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, she, he, she pretty well ate me up. <laughs> and on that case, I, after the divorce, I made up my mind. I didn't want to be divorced again, but after 12 years or so, she had asked for a divorce. And I think that was good. I'm still in friend, uh, still in touch with, uh, her two kids that uh, I wanted to adopt, but I didn't. And so they live in Phoenix. So I'm still connected with them. And so sorry if this story. So this is gets, okay. Uh, well, I'm just trying to track. I'm, I'm trying to track with you. Your first wife divorced Sandy, and then she di- she died of an aneurysm. Your second right. wife, your pit bull wife, you were married 12 years to her, and she died, or she left you, and you. She asked for a divorce. We got divorced. Okay, and then your third wife also that died was, within the well, within the marriage. What, see, that's the. This is what having God in your life does. So after I had come to the Lord uh, in Chicago, I uh, moved. Uh, if you remember, there's a large uh, company called, uh, what was a large savings and loan in Seattle? It was, uh, I'll think of it as we taught, Washington Mutual. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And so I, IBM, this uh, IT, so we, we took over all of... Uh, Washington Mutual's uh, IT and voice, except their mainframe. So I had, uh, so I had all the voice uh, services, and so I had gone there. And uh, about a year later, I met a young lady. We fell in love, and uh, and see, that's why. Yeah. So I thought life would be easier and better, but after, so after we met, three months later, she was baptized. And I still remember that her family was all there. And then from the time we met and she died of uh, colon cancer was 26 months. Oh gosh. So now you're, you're not, are you, you're just now 50? How old are you at this point? 50, 51? Let's see, it's 51. Yeah. So I'd been uh, 55 or so. So you're, you're now a believer. Uh, You've your, your third wife who passed away was came to Christ and was baptized but yes. at 55, you've experienced the loss of a son, uh, three marriages. Two of those women are now are dead, and now you've come to Christ. So now walk us through what happens next, the, 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 the fourth marriage and then the launch of this ministry. Okay. Really, though, yeah. Uh, so after I lost Arlene, uh, that was tough on a new Christian. Yeah. Because I didn't understand it. And my friends understand it. We had been very involved in a church. Actually, since I was a new believer, the pastor there had put me on his uh, executive group anyway to, as a new believer to talk to people about the experience. Mm. And so I, did, I, I still don't understand because we did a lot of good. Uh, she was in the corporate world uh, to help. And so I didn't. But at that time, I started writing. And at the point, I think why... Uh, and I still counsel a lot of people on losing a loved one because a lot of times, uh, 
people try to tell them you, you need to heal quicker, you need to do this, you need that, but it's a very personal experience. And for me, kind of the seeds of the ministry was I started writing and put up a quick website to help other people deal with Arlene's death. And so she, uh, she, yeah, she was really loved at a service. There were like 250 people. And so by doing that, I started writing. And over the few years after that, I wrote four or 500 poems and stories about uh, losing a loved one, facing trials, pain. I learned that uh, you don't run away from pain. Mm. So forget out there, when you address pain, you can't, you don't run away, you face the pain. And what I've learned with that is that there's a thin membrane between pain and peace. And you face it and deal with it and wow. actually love the pain, you flip into peace. And so uh, a lot of the story, so after that, for a few years, I kept writing. And then uh, many years ago, since I was an IT, I started collecting a lot of URLs. And so one of those uh, I have is mensgroup.org. And so I always had, took me about 10 years as I thought about the idea of creating a website. And so it was recreated from my experiences with the losses, what I'd learned, but to try to help guys in this, in their journey. Wow. That's uh, really powerful. And so what are you learning about mensgroup.org as far as who's visiting your site? What, what is the ratio of men to women? What, what are they looking for? Well, that, uh, I do. Before I do that, I do want to mention my wife now, Peggy. Okay. Who, like yeah, said will be married next year, twenty years, and she is spectacular uh, in cherishing your spouse. Got guys, we wander sometimes, meaning we get an intent, and yeah. so the good, yeah. So her email list is bull lover still, and she still has that list after twenty her email after twenty years, but. Uh, I did pretty good for the first few years. I didn't, didn't even hurt her feelings. <laughs> and so, but lately is uh, a lot of times I don't have a clue where our women are coming from. Well, yeah. Welcome and, to the club. You know, it's interesting. <laughs> you, you said earlier in the podcast, Marsh, you said when you were working and you're driven, you're working these 14 hour days and you said um, you, you weren't a believer, but you said my priorities were, uh, I think you said work, wife, family, and God was fourth. And I, I wrote down wife question mark. If you if if you were to go back and talk to your, let's say, thirty five year old self, what would you tell him about the priorities in his marriage versus your seventy five year old self? No, it's and that is seventy six. You know. No, I know that, but I went twenty five. I want to go fifty year difference. <laughs> no, it, it's it's God first. If you have God first, everything else flows. Well, flows naturally. My priorities are God, my wife, my kids, my family, my community. And the other thing that gets tough that I've never been a pastor, but a lot of times when you get involved in pastor ministry, that can get very high on the list. A lot of times. Kind yeah. of, and so being an internet ministry, that's what's happened. So for the first month and a half, uh, we're exploding because people are online. We're getting, you know, we do Facebook ads. We get reach three or 400,000 people. And so for the first month and a half, I didn't get much done around the house. I was involved in that a lot. Uh, and so about a month ago, I realized that that had become too high a priority in my life. 
and my, and my priority is my wife after God, my wife and family. And so since then, I realized that I was getting too much energy and focus on that. So I backed off a little bit. It's not my, it's God's ministry. I'm just helping, I'm just helping him. And so now things are much more balanced. I'm spending more time with my wife. Everything's just, it's flowing. I'm at a point in my life. It's not, it's joy. It's not, not just peace or happiness, mm -hmm. a great joy. Yeah. Well, that, that's really interesting because your first 51 years, you weren't a believer and in your last 20 five years you have been, but you still caught yourself defaulting back to your identification in your work. Why is work such a default setting for men? And how do you help them overcome that? I'm quite, that's, I love to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> Our life, it is work. That's how we're created. And so when you ask a woman about who she is, she'll normally tell you about her kids or family. Normally, if you ask a, a guy who doesn't believe in believers who you are, you talk about your job. And so jobs are important in, in the Bible. Jesus says, work hard. And so you do. But uh, what's more important is uh, what is your purpose on earth? And so where I tried, one, in fact, one of the uh, articles I wrote for the men's Bible was men and their jobs. And the point there is work is good. Jobs are important. But what you need to do is find out what your purpose on earth is. And when you find that out, things flow easily, whether it's your job or other relationships like that. Yeah, you know, our mutual friend Jody Burkeen wrote a book, uh, Man Up God's Way, and he talks yes. he talks a little bit about this in the book. But you, you hit the nail on the head, man. You know, first of all, men are very compartmentalized. Our, our lives don't intertwine uh, and, and cross-pollinate like a woman's does. You know, a man will uh, a man will work eight to ten hours a day for most of his life, right? That's on average. He will sleep eight hours, seven to eight hours. He's wired to sleep a third of his life, and then he that leaves eight hours left to live his life. So you can see how men who are compartmentalized would get lost in the the shuffle between that third of life that is not work. And rolling that in and overlapping that, my wife is on a is, is a flight attendant. And she's flying right now, and I was telling good. Dale, man, it was kind of good to have her ghost after two and a half months. She's not been able to fly with the COVID nineteen. But I said I was able to work till eleven o'clock last night, <laughs> you know, and said so I got to put in a solid you know eighteen hour day or whatever. But when she's home, that doesn't happen because she helps me stay in alignment. Why 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 is this an issue? Uh, what an issue, staying in alignment or... Staying in alignment with, stay, you know, you, you talked about God being a priority. If God is a priority, then we should be in alignment with the priorities he set for us, right? Work, sleep, family. And so we keep defaulting back to work. At 76 years old, you, you said you did this. I just confessed to doing it yesterday. How do we keep that in check? Well, it's it being in the Word, unless you're in the Word daily. Uh, that grounds me most every, well, I start every day, uh, reading like a, a, a Bible in a year plan. So if you're in the word that directs you each day. And so, and going back, so guys are in silos. Yes. So women, more hurt, women collaborate, they have relationships. We have our work silo. We have our sports silo. We have our other silos. And so, uh, 
you can't do it alone. And so unless you have accepted Jesus as your savior, we'll wander off. And so to me, the way you stay on track is being in the Word. Yeah, and I think when you say accept Jesus as Savior, I think you're also saying and make him your Lord. So that we're actually reading the Bible and doing what it says. We're actually walking in obedience to Jesus, right? Because a lot of guys listen a lot of the guys listening to this podcast, Marsh, would call themselves Christians. Uh they you know, they're they're uh right wing Republican NRA American dream guys, you know, type of thing. A lot of the guys that listen to our show, uh and and they're saying, Well, I'm a Christian but their their life does not align with what the Word of God says. What would you say to those guys? What do you say to those guys? Well, first of all, that's it's tough to say and respond to that because that is a lot of Christians. Yeah. And so uh, I think it's by uh, humbling yourself hmm. and really understanding that he is our mighty Lord and that— uh, Everything I have, I do, I will do, I owe to him. And so uh, for me, being broken, I, I went, I immediately fell into that kind of environment. So if you're doing pretty good, you're Christian, you go to church, uh, I, I think you need, I think you need brothers. You need a small uh, group, you need other, you need a mentor, you need a mentor to help you realize uh Right now, I have I see it on the webs on the internet ministry every day. People are searching, they're struggling, and you need someone to come alongside of you. I think that would be my best advice. Well, you know, you're talking. You talked about. I, I agree, and I, you know, mensgroup.org. It implies that men's are, men are going to be in a group. I mean, your ministry is designed to help guys who are involved in some kind of group. But you have found something very interesting. Even though your website is mensgroup.org, you have found that a, a, a lot of your people hitting that site and getting your resources actually are not men. They're women. Well, if, people are, if people are not men, it's women. Well, I mean, <laughs> non-binary. Come on now. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> no, and so uh, for eight years, every month, 49 to 51% of our visitors are women. And so... Uh, We've tried what we think they're on there for their husband or or their dad or their brother or kids and stuff because I think they're searching because you can get on a lot of websites accidentally, but women don't get on mensgroup.org accidentally. Mm-hmm. And some men's ministry have, have started to have a section for women in the ministry. And so as a, a board and myself, we believe that we're staying with our message to men. Yeah. And we think that's, that's the priority and, and, uh, and women download. Yeah. So they're about half the visitors. They, they download maybe, uh, about 20% of the studies. So what in your estimation, Marsh, and we just put a survey out for women as well. What do women want of their men? What are they accessing your materials for? What do they want that man they love? What do they want? You know, we say when a man gets it, everyone wins. What do these women want their men to get? Uh, first is to be loved, fully loved by their husband, uh, cherished by their husband. The other thing I think is security. Security, women like the virus now and anything else uh, is serious, but women uh, need the security to know that their husband or their is going to be there for them 
they need to know that uh, they'll be protected. So I think love, security, and protection are very high in, in our in our wives and ladies' lives. That's really interesting. Yeah, because and if a man is gone working 12 to 16 hour days and he's home sleeping six to seven hour nights, there's very little time left for her. And she probably doesn't feel loved. She probably doesn't feel secure in the relationship. And she probably does not feel like he will ultimately protect her because he's not available. Correct. See, I experienced a little bit of that the first month and a half of the virus, you know, we're, we're strong and, I mentor people and guys on Cherry's and her spouse. But what happened to me, I was so focused uh, working. Yeah, so out of the extra hours I had, I was doing three to four hours on my ministry. I'd come down and we'd have something to eat, and I'd come upstairs and I'd see Peggy later that night. And so in the last, I don't, I think it was something talked with Jody or something clicked in my mind a, a, a month ago. And so I completely got my priority straight to get my wife. So now I'm spending, it's amazing when I spend more time with her. And the other thing is, of course, we try to solve stuff. And so I just listened. And so now uh, during the day, I'll be working here and she'll come in. And so I'd be talking. So I stopped. And so just now, and she just, I can just see more of a glow on her face. We're more balanced that they just, they want us just to be there for them listen, not try to solve things. And just, uh, if we do that, then you become the the man that you want to be and the the couple a married man that I think God created us for. Well, you said earlier in the podcast, relating back to the death of uh, your third wife, you said there's a fine membrane between pain and peace. Right. And, And I really think that's true in a relationship. With our wives, I think there is a thin membrane there that that if we don't if we don't as men step into our best version and be the men that God has designed for them and offer them love, protection, and security, we will uh, create a lot of pain in that relationship. And when a woman is in pain, I promise you, there is no peace. <laughs> there is, and so like pain, and so we don't. And that's just to, to the guys out there, we, we say theoretically, or we say there, that women are different. Okay. But we have, we have to uh, describe that as, uh, and how they are different. And it's to be them, be there for them. Hey, Marsh, we're going to take a short break here from the sponsor of the Men in the Arena podcast. Men in the Arena is a nonprofit, crowdfunded organization that exists to inspire men to become their best version. We're able to freely offer this podcast, weekly equipping blasts, discussion forums, plus our small group resources to the three M's, active military, missionaries, and men in underdeveloped nations. This could only happen because of a large group of generous donors like you. You can find out more about how to support our ministry at meninthearena.org. So so this COVID-19, let's talk about that really quick. Uh, just personally speaking, my wife, uh, she's a flight attendant. She was actually tested for COVID-19. She was tested negative. We think she might have had it, but whatever. But she moved into a position of uh, despair for a season. Depression, uh, our ministry was kicking up, and we were trying to address the, the need uh, of men, and uh, I, I was gone a lot. And she she's uh, she struggled a lot, 
that's affected her weight, that's affected her 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 attitude, and she's just now coming out of that. That's been an interesting process to help her navigate through. But what? How have you seen your ministry impacted through COVID nineteen? What have you noticed? What are what are the guys saying? Give us an overall sense of what you're learning through this process. Explosion. <laughs> it's explosion of customers. Hmm. And so being an ministry rather than a event ministry or a church or a yeah. small group ministry, uh, there's been hundreds of thousands of people searching. And so, uh, like I said, each month we get twelve to 13,000 visitors. Uh, we've done Facebook bait around the world. And so for the guys is they're home, they're feeling pain, they don't know what to do. And so there's been an explosion. And the other thing is, uh, I want to talk about the truth, truth of the gospel. And we don't see our, if we have a small group event, you see the person one-to-one, right? And so what I try to do is it's to balance the truth of the gospel and the uh, reality of we're trying to get a little foothold to change that person's life. We have a study called Losing a Loved One. And uh, it's probably the most difficult study I've ever written. It took several months because the truth is, uh, when somebody's lost a loved one, they didn't bring in Jesus Christ as their savior. They may not be, they're not going to heaven. And so from a true standpoint, you have to recognize, so it's a balance of recognizing the pain of losing someone and uh, coming close to the Lord and the reality of the, the truth of the gospel. And so that's why it's tough for me, Jim. So from personally, I'm retired. I had a, a corporate career. It hasn't affected us that much. Yeah. Uh, from yeah. It has our kids and our grandkids. And so uh, the only answer I know that I go to regularly is prayer. So you, you made an interesting statement that our listeners probably passed by, but I want to go back to it. You talked about your customers. Well, the fact is, you guys offer all your resources for free. So that's really, really cool. So people access your website. They receive free group resources because you're mensgroup.org. So how are your studies designed and how do you direct men towards groups? How does that dynamic work? Okay. First, the first one's a little easier to answer. So our studies are all based on topics rather than just scripture and John or Matthew, things like that. So our studies are things that men and their jobs, uh, when life doesn't turn out like you, it's funny, a lot of the, the studies are already up or applicable to our times right now with COVID-19 and, and riots and stuff like that. When life doesn't turn out like you plan, uh, facing trials and tribulations, men and health and so what we do is the one of the most popular now is a study called men sex and living together hmm. so and that's directed by google so we're in so what they have but they're so what we say is if you have a special if you're single have a special lady is you save jumping into bed together for marriage yeah, and what how powerful sex is. God created it, and as as you and as you get older, it doesn't maybe direct our lives as much as we when we're younger. But the idea is, uh, 
it's so powerful if you go to bed together, you don't have time to learn about the other person. And so that's one of our more popular studies now. And so uh, that's the first, I could be a politician here. So that was the first question. I don't know if I answered that. What was the second, Jim? Well, how do, how do you direct guys into groups? Is there training okay. or, or do you operate under the assumption that they're accessing your website because they already have a group they're involved with and they're just looking for resources? Yes. <laughs> no, it's like, it's so we have individuals and we have, yeah, so you see some of the titles. So I would say, I don't know overall, but it's a, a good combination of individuals and then it's group leaders looking for small, for small studies. And so we know when guys don't plan. And so our two peaks are started about January 9th every year. And so that's when people come, they come back from the, this is the men's, they come back from uh, the holidays and Christmas and I've got to have a study for my group. And so they go online. They don't have time to do denominational to a lot of searches. They go online to get a study probably for the next stat, the next day. Right. And the other thing is at the end of the summer is that uh, at the end of August, September, is our big peak for coming back from the holidays. And so uh, since we're not a big ministry, we're very, our target really is pastors and small group leaders in a hurry to get meaningful studies of them quickly. I like that. I like that caveat. Pastors and men's small group leaders in a hurry. <laughs> it, it's true. And uh, Yeah, I understand. Yeah, so, Yes, but we don't have a big, yeah, so after eight years, we are branded around the world if you use topics or discussion. So if anybody in a laptop does men's group discussion, men's ministry topics, for, if you have that, we're normally in the top three. Wow, that's really cool, man. So so what what changes in churches and small groups do you see happening down the road? Like if you project your ministry out five years, what are you seeing out there? Well, before let me answer, uh, before I talk about five years, what I see happening. Yes. And so, as you know, the world is changing. And so you see a lot of uh, social media at, about the demise of the church and all of that. What I'm seeing here in Southern California now is like where we had a men's group in person of about 40, 50 guys Saturday morning. We now have 105. And so uh, a lot of people are starting to go uh, to church, accepting Christ in an online environment. And so what I, what, what I think churches have to plan, a lot of them are doing pretty good reaching uh, the congregation now, but they need to have a plan. It's probably going to be a hybrid. So when they come back, you have church services. And so what's the, the right combination to to reach your congregation. The other thing is churches are kind of, you can't be in growing. So when you come back to church in person, you get, you have to get away from your little small group or your friends that you love, love each other and support each other. You've got to be prepared that there are going to be some new individuals that might be showing up because people are searching now. And so I see that uh, things have changed and yeah. We don't know all, I mean, we have no idea all the ways. Now, as far as my ministry, I don't know. God may know <laughs> in five years. Mm -hmm. And so I always uh, wonder if we should try to, I just kind of go where he leads me, whether we should try to bit, get bigger 
right now we're up about a hundred and over 125% of people accessing our websites and our studies from a year ago. And I, so I, I, I keep hoping that, uh, that I'm taking his path and doing, making the right decisions, but it's his ministry. And so I'm comfortable with that. Yeah, that's really good, man. Well, a couple things, uh, you know, at 76 years old, what do you, what are your thoughts? So you're no longer in the corporate field. You're no longer receiving a paycheck for your IT work. What are your thoughts about men and retirement and men after retirement? Wow, that's a good question. I had expected that one, so but I can't come. <laughs> well, yeah, you're living it, so it's your life. Well, I well the problem was so when a, when you forget to see oh five yeah so I guess I've been retired yeah I forget so that's good right <laughs> yeah Fourteen, fifteen years yeah so for the first two thirds of retirement I I didn't retire so I just had all these things going on and so I kept probably too busy and so so now I think. Man, if you don't, there's a book called Halftime. Bob Beale. Yes, if you read that. And so basically it says, if you don't really start moving to the second half of your life, by the time you're 54, 55, you'll kind of be stayed in that corporate business approach. And so you have to switch to what's more important. What do I stand for? How do I keep other people? And the other thing is, if you're open to where God leads you in the last year, I've been involved in the homeless topic in Durango. And so I still don't understand it because a year ago I kept being called there and then I I kept saying, Lord, are you sure? (laughs) And so I thought I was neglecting my ministry, but by being involved in that, it's been a priceless journey. What's that MasterCard uh, promotion, uh, priceless. And so from doing that, I've learned so much about myself, the homeless I've been involved in. And so I think uh, it's to be open to, uh, to me, find ways that you can fulfill your purpose and help others. It's that, right? Right now I used to accumulate houses and cars and so you get reach a point in life, you don't necessarily need new stuff. You just, uh, it's more holistic, I think. Well, you just brought up a really interesting point. I've noticed a process of life on this planet that, that people enter life and they're very driven to compete uh, almost against the Joneses. That's where we get the phrase, right? Uh, competing yeah. with the Joneses. And they start this process in their 30s through 40s and 50s of accumulation. They get to their 60s and realize, oh, I can't, uh, I can't maintain all this. So they hire people to maintain their stuff. And then as they hit their 70s, they start offloading all their stuff, and they end up in a house about the size of the house they had when they're in their 20s and 30s. And so I've realized if that's the case, what's the point? Because true wealth is not found in our stuff. No, the point is there is no point. The point is what finding as a creation of God's creation. And so, yeah, so I've done all that. And so, yeah, so, but that competitive thing is still tough topic for guys, right? When my kids were raising up, were young, I had trouble letting them win at Candyland. <laughs> yeah. Because I thought that, yeah, they needed to learn how to lose. So, yeah, and so, but I'm still competitive, and so, but I'm still trying to get there. So I, we still have blessed enough to have two homes. Uh, and so, but I start trying to simplify your life on the things that really 
mean things. That's the relationship with your the, with God, with your wife, your family, and your community. And so, uh, it doesn't make it's always easier, but it's. I think if you're where God wants you to be and intends you to be, everything flows easier. Yeah, I really appreciate that to simplify your life and to to allow life to flow easier. Like if you're if you have obstructions in a river and obstacles, that'll create a rapid. It doesn't create smooth flow. And so I think that's really good, man. And and, and your ministry is is designed to help guys to find that smooth flow. It's helping guys to navigate these uh rough times and rocky waters of life and marriage. And and man, I sure appreciate Marsh what you're doing and and uh, man, seventy six years old, and you're still a hard charging guy. You're like you're living out to your name, man. The bull, right? The bull lover, as your wife has on her email. Hey, how can guys get a hold of you and access your resources? I know we've mentioned it several times. What's your website again? It's a uh, mensgroup.org. Man, that's awesome. That's it. Make one quick comment about you talked about the river and the do not if would I change my life? Uh, no. Would I have lived, thought that my life would be different? No. So uh, I think it's probably time to go, right, Jim? Well, yeah. You know, it's funny. Earlier in the podcast, I had uh, a rapid fire round designed for you, and we just got caught up in the interview and didn't do it. But I had, uh, I was going to ask you meat or vegetables. So what would you choose? You said eat vegetables? Meat or vegetables. See, that's the hearing aid thing. Uh, meat. <laughs> and then we we're going to say books online or books on a shelf. Online. I knew that. And then COVID-19 or having the heart issues you have? COVID-19. Okay. How about Durango or SoCal? Durango. <laughs> and the last one was, and this is this is what you just mentioned, we'll end here. Would you rather live as your 26-year-old self or your 76-year-old self? 76. There's no, yeah, there's no... Uh, comparison. Okay. I know the answer to this, but I'm going to throw it out there. Anyway. I'm going to throw the question out anyway, but at 26, you're, you're dynamic. You're young. You have energy. You have vigor. We have strength. You have health at 76. You have heart issues. You're leaning into the screen right now because you can't hear, you know, you're aging, your body is dying, but you pick 76. Why? Well, for yeah, that, cause that's where the Lord brought me. I mean, I had a big party at 70, because uh, I didn't, th- I never thought I'd make 60, 70. Now <laughs> the problem is I'm looking at 80. And so, uh, I, you, yeah, I don't worry about it. Each day is a blessing. Each day I pray for, uh, he has me into a new day. And then how do I follow the path? Well, yeah. And you lost a brother at four. He was 43 years old. You're 76 now. You know, a lot of guys will say to me, Jim, I don't want to give my life to Jesus. He'll make me less of a man. He'll make me less. And I tell men, you are so screwed up in the head, bro. Jesus makes you more of a man than you ever could have been without him. In fact, if you want to be your best version and you're listening to this podcast right now and you aren't radically sold out for Jesus, pull over on the side of the road right now and just say the simple prayer that Marsh said when he was 51 years old, one word, help, help. You need help, bro. You need help. Walk into your best version. Right, Bull? What do you think, man? That's 76. That's what you got going for you, right? Absolutely. And one of our discussion topics is the macho man. And the reality is macho man is macho man. The most macho thing you guys can do is accept Christ as your savior. Yeah. If you can do that, you're the you're tough. 
yeah, this whole tough guy attitude is such a joke. I can blow on these guys and they fall over because they have no foundation. So without Jesus, you'll never be the man that you're created to be. It's that simple. Guys, hey, let me give you some boots on the ground for a second. Marshman, he's the expert in online resources. Head on over to his website. You know, we are competitive people, but, man, I am a firm believer that the kingdom of God is not about competition but collaboration. So head on over to his website. Let them bless you guys, and uh, we will take care of the rest from here. So, Dale, drive us home, brother. Yeah, for uh, you guys out there to be your best version, we realize you need to be in a daily discipleship in the Word. So we want to challenge you guys to go to our website, pick up your free 365 daily devotional, The Bathroom Book for Men. And you can also go to our the store part of our website and pick up a physical copy, put that on the back of the toilet, have it there, have it someplace where you can pick it up and read one entry a day. I mean, it's simple, super simple to read one entry. So. Warning, don't... Yeah, don't wipe your butt. Don't wipe it. it. It'll Come cut on. you. It's slick. Costco has it doesn't absorb. Paper. It'll be a bad deal. Just make a paper airplane or something. Yeah, yeah. In case you were thinking of that, guys. Yeah. Some of you, some of you guys from the deep south. Come on. No, no. And the and the Oregon Oregon forests, the forests of Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> so until next time, fill the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game, get dirty, grind it out, and be a man. Men in the Arena. If you hunger to be your best version, join us along with thousands of men from around the world. Check out our Men in the Arena forums. You can join on Facebook or on our website at meninthearena.org. While you're on our website, remember to pick up your free electronic version of Jim's Bathroom Book for Men, The Field Guide. It's a daily study of manly words with epic stories in the Bible. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.